Well, you know, and you know as well as I do, that uh, anger just uh, tears up stuff. It's been known to tear up uh, drywall, doors, cars, and a few stuffed animals. It's been known, <coughs> excuse me, it's been known to tear up friendships and marriages and families, companies, teams, uh, neighborhoods, churches. And you know what, friends? It always flows from somewhere beneath. And it's a lethal weapon if you leave it unchecked. That's why Jesus' little brother James wrote in the book of James, chapter 1, uh, let me read this for you. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. We're in the middle of a series in a letter uh, that James, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote. We're calling the series, This is What We Do. Because James is all about what we do as Christians. If our faith does not become action, then as far as James is concerned, our faith is useless. Now, those of you who know me know that I'm a bit of a statistics geek, and a, a new study was commissioned by World Vision and conducted by Barna Research that looked at the attitudes towards faith among Canadians in the 18 to 35 uh, year range. So that's uh, older Gen Z as well as millennials. Data from 2019 was compared with data in 2021 to see how the pandemic has actually accelerated changing perspectives on the role of faith in Canada uh, among uh, young uh, Canadian adults. And a stat that uh, really struck, uh, really stuck out to me, uh, one that really showed accelerating change just from 2019 to 2021, is that non-churchgoers are far more interested in knowing that Christianity is good than knowing that it's true. And there's this huge disconnect with those who go to church because those who go to church are far more interested in knowing that Christianity is true than if it is good. But quite frankly, uh, non-churchgoers are skeptical about church these days. They're not sure if church is good. They're not sure if Christians are good, and many wonder if religion of any kind is detrimental to society. Heck, from the Crusades to residential schools, um, religion has done some pretty awful things. You know, most of your Islamic neighbors know a lot of gruesome stories coming out of the Crusades. It's part of what they get taught as they grow up, just how awful the Christian religion has been to them. And it's only been recently that we've woken up to, you know, the incredible tragedy that has been part of church-run residential schools. I mean, just horrific stuff. But what happened in the Crusades, uh, what happened in residential schools is not the way of Jesus. What happened there is not Christian. It might be religion, and I'm not sure it even qualifies to be called religion, but it sure isn't Jesus. This is why we've developed a, a mission statement here at Fort City that says we're all about making Jesus visible as we live and love like him. Our mission is to help people see that the Christian faith is good and, and to introduce people to Jesus who transforms our lives for the good. And that's what this letter by James is all about. It's a call to help people know that Jesus is good, that the Christian faith is good, that real Christianity is simply good for you and for our whole world. And that brings us back to these good words of James. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, 
because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Put that into practice. Live like that at home, where you work, in your neighborhood, and you will be doing good. You will be living and loving like Jesus. And the people who you rub shoulders with a day in and day out, that they'll appreciate who you are and how you handle the junk that comes into your life. Uh, you will be different in a really good way. You know the expression, they'll know we're Christians by our love? It means that we are quick to listen to other people. That all people, no matter who they are, deserve to be listened to. That we're slow to respond and speak out our opinion. And we're slow to become angry. I, I mean, when you think about it, how countercultural is that, right? Uh, and, and how so much like Jesus is that. And sadly, how unlike how Christians are perceived by the world today. Like, does the average person in, in Fort McMurray first uh, see, how do they see Christians? Do they see Christians as people who first seek to understand someone else before they speak what they believe is truth? Hey, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. That's, that's radical stuff. And I get this is a struggle for uh, people, Christian or not. It's a struggle for you and me, for all people. I mean, especially these days. Many of us, we just got junk, right, that we've stuffed down, that when the button is pushed, comes spewing out as anger, rage, malice. Maybe you're the type of person that's always got strife going on. Uh, you're picking fights. You're always starting stuff with people. You always want to take someone down. You're always in some kind of dispute. Kind of reminds me of our outgoing municipal council. Just throw that in there to make sure you'll vote tomorrow, Okay. You've got all kinds of strife going on in your life with your spouse, your partner, with your brother, your sister, with your teammates, with your neighbor, with your kids, with your in-laws, which eventually, if it progresses further, it progresses to resentment and bitterness. And because you don't deal with it, pretty soon you're locked off in a self-imposed prison and, and people don't want to be in that room with you. With a bitter, cold, unforgiving, angry heart, we, we need to remember that Jesus wants to transform us for the better, to live with love, to be good people. And we need to understand that as Christians, we have the power of the Holy Spirit who wants to help us to change for the good so that our friends and family see us as good. I've been listening to a, a podcast recently called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. It's a, a journalistic look at a huge American megachurch that totally blew apart a few years ago under the leadership of Pastor Mark Driscoll. It's a, it's a really tragic story. The trailer of this podcast uh, included a statement that Mark Driscoll was fired because he was a jerk. Actually, they, they used a much stronger term than that, a kind of a biblical Old Testament name, but jerk will do for now. Now, the truth is, Mark Driscoll voluntarily chose to resign in the midst of the tumult. He wasn't really fired, but he was an angry preacher. No question, he was really harsh on people who didn't line up with him, and he ended up blowing up one of the biggest churches south of the border, hurting thousands and thousands of people. Friends, anger can do that. Anger can be so destructive. But friends, we, we have the power of the Holy Spirit to help us wrestle our anger down. We can do this. 
And, and talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul says this, the fruit of the Spirit is love, gentleness, and self-control. We can actually live with Spirit-empowered self-control so that we are quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Friends, Christians can live better. We can and should be good people, great people with transformed relational skills because if we surrender to the Holy Spirit, this is what the Holy Spirit will do in our lives. He gives us self-control to wrestle down that anger. It's amazing. And really, this is basic stuff. It's, it's pretty simple. What we have here is one quick and two slows. It's about as simple as it can be. One quick and two slows. Quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to become angry. One quick and two slows. And when you ask the Holy Spirit to fill and transform you, there is something the Spirit wants to develop in our lives. One quick and two slows. Hey, have any of you ever known someone who, who talks too much and listens too little? You don't have to look at the person next to you right now. This is just a rhetorical question. How do you respond to a person who talks too much and listens too little? Solomon put it this way in the book of Proverbs. Someone who is sure of himself does not talk all the time. People who stay calm have real insight. After all, even a fool may be thought wise and intelligent if he stays quiet and keeps his mouth shut. Even if nothing else, if you just learn to be slow to speak, at least you will avoid saying stupid things. People will think you're wise. You'll have a reputation for wisdom, for being a sage, if you just stay quiet. Now, a large reason for being quick to listen and slow to speak is what might be called the Homer Simpson factor. How many of you have ever watched The Simpsons? Is there any of you? Oh, not as many as I was hoping. Oh, good. All right. This year is its 33rd season. Sunday nights on Fox. It's, yeah. And uh, it's been going since 1989. Its heyday was in the 90s and the 2000s. So not as many of you watching it these days. But yeah, it's still going. The Homer Simpson factor. Homer, as most of you know, is the father in the cartoon. And he has an expression of regret. When he does something really stupid and the light dawns and he wishes he could take it back, but he realizes he can't, he has an expression of regret. He smacks himself in the head and he makes a single sound. What, what is it? Dough. Yes, dough, he says. Dough, an expression of regret. And some of you are feeling it right now, maybe, dough, why didn't I remember that? But let's apply this for a moment to our speaking and listening. How many times have I ever spoken too quickly, in a rash moment, blurted something out without thinking, and then later on said, why did I do that? Why did I do use words that are harsh or insensitive or deceptive or self-promotional or just plain foolish when, when I didn't have to? What was I thinking? Let's do a mass confession on this one. How many of you have ever spoken too quickly or rashly or foolishly and, and then regretted it? Raise your hands. Any of you, any of you here ever done that? Yeah, okay, all over the place. And this is why I love in-person services. We get to do a little interaction. And for those of you watching online, that's, I'm glad you're there. I hope you're interacting as well. But anyways, okay. One of the difficulties with those of us who talk too much or too fast... Uh, but we tend not to be aware of it. Maybe that's you. 
So I want to give you some help on this. I, I want to give us a little kind of a diagnostic experience. I, I want to give us some signs. Uh, these are signs that you may be speaking too much. Uh, take notes on this stuff if you want to, if you think that you might not be aware. Maybe you know you don't have a problem here, but the person next to you does, so you want to help them get into this stuff. So you need to take a few notes for them. Signs that you may be speaking too much. Number one, again, very basic level stuff. Your listener's eyes have glazed over to a dull, vacant, focusless stare, right? Their pupils are fixed and dilated. It's possible that you could be having a problem of speaking too much when you see this going on in the person you're talking to. Second sign. You find yourself physically restraining people, preventing their walking away while you're speaking. You know, that's happened once in a municipal council meeting, sort of like that. But anyways, go vote. Um, if you notice people are attempting to leave you and you have to hold them there, you could be talking too much. Number three, you're talking right now. Actually, I don't think anyone is, but that would be a dead giveaway. However you do it, you, you need to begin some self-assessment on this. You, you need to ask people in your life, do I have a problem with this? What do you think? They'll, they'll tell you. They probably will if you're open to them. Some of you have a problem and you know it. Some of you have a problem here and you're not aware of it. You need to begin to discern. Then when you discern that you're talking too much, too quickly, too rashly, too foolishly, you need to take action. You need to rein that tongue in. Here's the interesting thing. So often when we speak too much, too quickly, too rashly, too foolishly, uh, and we, you know, be, we become filled with that Homer Simpson regret factor, very rarely does that happen when you listen. Very rarely does listening lead to profound regret. Very rarely do I find myself thinking, why did I carefully pay attention to that other person? Why, in a rash moment, was I so patient and full of empathy? Why was I discerning what was going on in that person's heart? What was I thinking? Friends, listening does not lead to regret. That's what James says. If you're serious about following God, devote yourself to listening. Be a great listener. When James says, be quick to listen, the idea here is be eager to listen. Devote yourself to listening. Get good at it. Become a world-class listener. Because listening is an act of humility and love. Listening says, I'm going to put my own agenda on the shelf and, and I'm going to devote myself to knowing you. I'll tell you a secret about listening. For the most part in this world, people are not looking for world-class talkers. People are not generally looking for someone who can talk very impressively or cleverly or with great wit. Mostly what people are looking for are world-class listeners, right? And that got me thinking a bit. God himself is a great listener. When you think about it, listening may be the biggest part of God's job. This is pretty extraordinary, and it runs throughout the story of the Bible. For example, God says through the prophet Isaiah, he's talking about his people, and he says, Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. God says, I will hear. God himself listens to every prayer. God hears every cry. God notices every tear. God said to Moses when he was going to deliver his people from Egypt, For I am your God who heard my people's cry when they were in distress, and I noticed their sorrow. 
God, the creator of the universe who knows everything, is never too busy, never too preoccupied, never too bored to listen to our smallest request or our most petty complaints. The God of the Bible from front to back is the God who listens. So he says to all who want to live and love like him, be like me, listen. Now, the third character of tongue control that James gives us is to be slow to anger. You'll notice that these three characteristics go together. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and now slow to anger. This is part of James's great wisdom, the Bible's great wisdom. If you do the first two, you will tend to come out all right on number three. If you carefully cultivate the habit of listening well, and if you carefully cultivate the habit of speaking thoughtfully and with restraint, if you're quick to listen and slow to speak, you will automatically be slow to anger. It'll just happen. It works guaranteed. On the other hand, if you fail to listen well and often misunderstand people, and if you speak without thinking, if you speak rashly, you'll probably get angry a lot. That's not so good. Because your anger, as James says, human anger does not produce God's righteousness. Now, this doesn't mean we never get angry. It means that human anger, unless it's managed and expressed with great skill, tends to have unintended hurtful consequences. But we can turn it all around and wrestle anger to the ground because we don't have to do this alone. We have the Holy Spirit who will empower us to turn this all around. You know, sometimes... We blame our genes, our temperament, and, and we say, that's just the way I am, take it or leave it, and we kind of use it as an excuse. This is particularly true of my ethnic background. People with Irish backgrounds are sometimes stereotyped as hot-tempered, fighting, and angry. And when I look at my own family, what I see is a lot of passion that can be directed for good or for bad. I, I have that passion, and it, it can be destructive if I let it be, but empowered by the Spirit, it can be a source of so much good. And all temperaments, however you're wired, have a dark side to them and a good side, and that dark side can be transformed by the Holy Spirit. As for Irish stereotypes, uh, I think, to be really honest, part of the problem is, as I look at how that stereotype developed and even some stuff in my own family, the, the issue is actually not being careful about the use of alcohol. It's not an Irish thing as much as it's a misuse of alcohol thing. Solomon in the Old Testament book of Proverbs says this, drinking too much makes you loud and foolish. It's stupid to get drunk. Why? Because you don't think straight. Because we react before thinking and reflecting and just blurt it all out. No, it's an alcohol-induced Homer Simpson factor, Homer Simpson factor. And I'm sure some of you know what I mean, and it can be pretty darn ugly. This is why the Apostle Paul says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Friends, there you have it again. The Holy Spirit wants to fill and empower us and lead us away from destructive behavior. The Spirit wants to empower us to be people who are quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. That's one of the fruits of being filled with the Holy Spirit, self-control. It doesn't matter what your temperament is. It doesn't matter who you are at your core. It doesn't matter how much hurt has come your way. Our God wants to transform your life for the good so that people are attracted to you because the Spirit lives in you. I mean, this is the genius of the Christian faith. Um, Jesus living in us and transforming our lives for the better. 
to be filled with the Spirit, to be filled with Jesus, means that God will come alongside of you and empower you to be a great listener who doesn't have to get the first word or last word in, who has a slow fuse and is slow to anger. This is true Christianity. And this can change your home where you live. This can change your relationships at work. This can make not only your world better, but our world better. Imagine if we all allowed the Spirit to so fill us that we were known as people who listen, people who, who speak carefully and wisely, people who have slow fuses. And as I wrap up, I'm sure you've heard the expression that hurt people hurt people. And, and uh, maybe in the past you've, you've felt rejected or been abused or unloved and, and it's made you an angry person. I want you to know that Jesus cares about your pain. Your, your pain matters to God. Through, through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, you can replace your hurting, angry heart with his peace. You know, if you pick up a crying baby and you give that child warmth and acceptance, that, that child usually, usually stops crying. When, when you start feeling secure and accepted in the love of God, when you let His Spirit fill you, your, your irritability and your anger nosedives. It, it just nosedives. This stuff that we're talking about, empowered by the Spirit, works. So let's just spend some time praying about this. Let's commit or recommit our lives to Jesus and seek the filling of his transforming Holy Spirit. First, let me pray for you, and then I'll invite you to pray a prayer along with me. Let's bow our hearts and heads for a time of prayer. Father, it's sad, but it's true that we often get angry at the people we love the most and then with people we work with. Often we get the angriest of the people we're closest to because we forget that you're the source of all we need, not others. So Jesus, would you help us to remember that uh, uh, you want to meet our deepest needs and we'll be disappointed if we look anywhere else and that's how we get angry. So Father, we just ask you this morning to fill us with your spirit and give us that self-control we need as we look to you to meet our deepest needs. And Father, for those among us who are struggling with irritability and short temper and anger due to the hurt or the frustration or, or the insecurity or the fear that they're feeling, I pray for them that today they will experience hope and healing in a brand new way. Now I'm going to ask you to pray. Something like this in your heart, whether you're here in person or watching online, wherever you are, would you kind of take these words and turn them into your own prayer? Just say, Dear Jesus, I admit that I have a problem with anger. Just start there. I know that my anger hurts others. And today I resolve with your heart, with your help, to become a person who is quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Come into my life and fill me with your Holy Spirit and transform me for the good, for my good, for the good of my family, and for the good of all those who are part of my life. Make the changes in me that only you can make. I want to trust you with my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.